Amen. Then we're going to sing him happy birthday. Go ahead, Ephraim. Amen. Hallelujah. One more time. One more time. Praise you, Jesus. There you go. Praise the Lord. All right, ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Ephraim. Happy birthday to you. How old are you, Ephraim? Fifteen years old. Oh, my goodness. Next year, you'll be able to drive. Yeah. Here, you can sit there right there for now. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is good. I promise to take the rest of the afternoon. No less, no more. Everybody's dressed for like a nice sunny day. And today is like a rainy day. Cloudy. All right. Praise the Lord. Time to take up an offering. Come on down, Grace. Father, I thank you and praise you for the tithes and offerings that you've been bringing in this place and the blessing that you've been doing to the work of our hands in our businesses and our Lord God, just the work of our hands and what you've been doing, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your blessings. I pray that you would continue to bless us abundantly, that your spirit, Lord God, would just rest upon us and, and show us favor in the workplace and in our daily lives. And more than that, Lord God, that you would abundantly bless us above and beyond that what we can ever imagine. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Today, the title of my scripture is God is our protector. This morning when I woke up, we had four Canadian geese around our pond and by our pond. And they were actually there yesterday. There's actually two adults and two younger ones called hatchlings, which they already looked like young Canadian geese. But what was amazing about the whole thing was observing them, even last night before we went to bed, I noticed them and how the mother and the father were both watching over the two younger ones. And I, and I pointed it out to Julie. I said, did you see how those geese, they are good parents, is what I said to her. But this morning when I woke up, they were still out there and the father goose, which is called the gander, stands watch over the little ones and is made the mother very proudly 
raises his strong neck high and watches over the children. That's why if you ever watched geese and you ever seen them, like last night we were watching and one was facing down by the creek with his head stretched all the way out and just was observing and watching. It really is amazing. They were guarding and protecting all of them. They even keep them close. If you notice, the, the parents keep their hatchlings or their younger geese close to them even when they're out and they're feeding. They don't let them wander away too far. They watch their offspring guarding and protecting. And I had a chance this morning to watch all of this for a moment out of our bedroom window when all of a sudden a fox emerged from the wood line. And he started straight for those geese. The gander, I would assume, the father goose, raised his head and opened his wings up like this to protect to protect his young. And you know what that fox did? Turned and went the other way. Actually turned and went toward our barn where our chickens were. <laughs> but thankfully, Kiki was outside already. And Kiki's the guardian of our, of our chickens. At least we think and we hope she is. But that whole scenario made me think of my sermon this morning. I was amazed at how well these geese took care of their families. And how it was so important to them as parenting geese. How it was important for their survival of their young. And how can we learn a basic lesson from them? As parents here, as grandparents here, it's our responsibility to protect and watch over our children. To make sure that they grow up strong and healthy. That when it's time for them to take flight, that their wings are ready for the long journey that's ahead of them. Because geese have a long migration period. It is important that families bond together and stay together. One parent cannot possibly provide the protection of two parents. One goose couldn't provide the protection for her young hatchlings as well as two. <clears throat> With the geese, as one would get tired, it said that the other would take over and would keep watch over their children to keep its eyes open, head stretched out, looking 
and observing and watching for predators. that are out there, that are trying to separate their family. It's a basic principle. And it's the same principle that the devil uses on us. In the same way it is in the wild, it's the same way it is with us as a family. Do you know that the devil is out there, constantly out there, looking to and fro. Do you know that the devil, when he went up to heaven, and God said to him, this is in Job, and God says, what are you doing here, and where have you come from? And the devil said to him, well, I've just come from going to and fro over the face of the earth. That's what he's doing. That's what he does. He goes to and fro over the face of the earth, looking for someone to devour, to destroy, looking for a family to separate. Because his whole plan is to separate, and if he can separate, then he can kill. If he can bring disruption that causes separation, then he wins, then he can kill us. And he is constantly doing this. He is constantly at war with you and with me as Christians, as believers. And if a father or a mother are not on their guard doing their job, then one of their flock could be devoured. It is happening on a grand scale. Across the whole planet. Probably even a grander scale in America. The devil is a sneaky foe. He's a serpent. He deceived Eve and Adam in the garden. Which caused man to sin. Which began the whole fall of creation, which began the whole decay of creation. He is sly, he is sneaky, and he has one mission, and that is to kill you and destroy you, because you are created in God's image. You are a child of God. He was not created in God's image, was he? He was created as a ministering angel to minister to the Lord in the Holy of Holies. But you are special. As God's children, you are created in God's image. And the devil wants nothing more than to destroy that and to pull you away from your creator, God. If the devil can destroy families, then it's easy for him to destroy the kids. 
If the devil can separate the parents, the father and the mother, through divorce or all kinds of things, then it's pretty easy for him to get in there to destroy the children. Or if you have a wounded parent that is struggling with addictions like alcoholism, drugs, pornography, then that one parent or parents are not doing their job effectively and as well as they could. They're wounded. They need the Savior. And if they're wounded and tired and afflicted, then it's easy for the devil to sneak into that family to just cause disruption, because he's already doing it, deception. He's the master of deceiving. He was a deceiver from the beginning, and he's a deceiver right to the very end. Then it's easy for him to destroy the children. He knows that if he can turn a generation away from God and to him, then he wins, because they will teach the next generation, and it will go on and on and on. even being unequally yoked. The Bible says it clearly, do not be unequally yoked. But even being unequally yoked is an uphill battle for a believer because of the different beliefs that undermine the other. The second guessing and then you start doubting your own faith. And then you start falling away from God. That's all a tactic of the devil, the deceiver, to pull you away from your creator, God who created you in his image. People say that that will never happen to me. People say that we will never doubt our own faith. We know what is right, but yet... We don't do it. You know, the Apostle Paul said he had a thorn in his flesh and he wanted it removed. He says, I, I know what is right. I, I want to do what is right, but I struggle doing it. The Apostle Paul said that. Apostle Paul, who wrote more than a third of the New Testament, had his own struggles that he had to deal with. This is all the more reason why we need God. 
This is all the more reason why we need a Savior. We all have one thing in common that we need. That's Jesus. Because without Jesus, there is no hope, there is no future, there is no way. It really boils down as simple as that. We need Jesus. With Jesus, we find refuge, strength, and a covering. Without Jesus, you will find yourself in disarray, feel abandoned, and hopeless. I know these feelings. I once lived without Jesus for a long time of my life until I met Jesus, or he met me he, when he found me. I know those feelings of being desperate in despair, being abandoned, in need. Most of you haven't really felt that in your lives that are here today. Because in our family, we raise good children that turn around and raise good grandchildren that keep watch over their flock like those two geese I saw. We have great family here that have done a great job with their children and have kept watch and are keeping watch, which I thank God for. That is a blessing beyond blessings. And that is a heritage and a legacy that will be passed down, I believe, from this generation that I'm looking at to the next generation. Amen? That is the greatest gift that you can do and the greatest thing that you can do for your family is to keep them in contact with Jesus. To know the Savior. There is no greater calling than that. Don't ever stray from Jesus. Don't ever wander. And when you do, turn and run to him as fast as you possibly can. When you feel like you are far from him, then you need to turn toward him and run. And don't stop until you get there. Run into the light. <laughs> Flee from the darkness. Because with Jesus, you'll find your refuge. You'll find your peace. You'll find your covering. Isaiah 40, chapter 31, it's on the cover of one of my Bible covers. That's somewhere here in this church. But those who hope is in the Lord 
will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That is what we have when we make Jesus our refuge. We have to come to a place in time in our own lives when we will have to stand up for what is right. When you finally say to yourself, enough is enough, I have had it, I cannot live this way any longer, I am going to stand for God and for my family and for righteousness. I am going to remain steadfast and refuse to give up. And when we do that, then the Lord will always come to you in your time of need. Always. Without fail. He will always come to you in your time of need. You see, I believe that's what happened to me. Years and years ago, almost 30 years ago, even though I might not even mentioned or mumbled a word, I didn't have to because my spirit was crying out for help. And God heard that cry, and God came to me. And ever since then, my life has changed. You see, there's an example in the Bible that I just love. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses, uh, I believe, uh, 11 through 12, or 13. 2 Samuel. And it's one of David's mighty men. I'm going to tell you, that you should read 2 Samuel chapter 23 about the exploits and about King David's mighty men. One of the greatest ones that I love, and my wife will tell you this, is Shama. Jehovah Shama. His name's not Jehovah, his name was Shama, but Jehovah is the name of God. But Shammah was the son of Agai, the Heretite, when the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils. What happened? Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field and he defended the field. And he struck down the Philistines. And the Lord brought about a great victory. Now can you imagine this? Here you have the enemy coming against you. And he was been stealing and stealing and stealing all your fields that you worked so hard for, that you went out and you prepped the ground, you planted the seed, you watched that 
seed grow into a mature plant, just when it got to harvest, the Philistines would come and they would steal the lentils every time. Every time. Year after year, the Philistines would come and taught and do this to the Israelites. Finally, Shammah said, enough's enough. I've had it. I've had enough of these uncircumcised Philistines coming and stealing these lentils from these fields that I've worked so hard for over these years that I am not going to be able to see or reap the harvest of. I've had enough. As parents and as children of God, we come to a place where we see the world going in a wicked way when we finally got to stand up and say, enough's enough. I've had enough. We can't live like this anymore. I can't see my children going off to be demonized in a school that we've raised all our lives and worked hard for them to know the truth and to know the right way and to know the Lord Jesus, for them to be turned and changed. Enough's enough. Amen? That's what's happening in the world today. That's why it's so important for you kids to know where you stand in Christ and who you are in Christ Jesus. Because there are deceptors out there that are trying to deceive, and they're deceiving many. And many of you will be going off to college soon. And I want you to think about that. Because some of these colleges and these professors are not teaching the truth. You know the truth. And the truth will set you free. You stand your ground in the face of the enemy. Even as parents and as adults, we have to stand our ground. Many times, with doctors... You have to stand your grounds over your kids. You parents know your kids better than those doctors do. And you know what's best for your children most of the time. If not all the time. Even with schools. You know, we went and we watched the show, The Sound of Freedom. And it was about trafficking children. And you leave there wondering, I left there wondering, well, what can we do? What can we do to help? How can we help these children? Julie and I had a pretty good discussion about it, actually. <laughs> which we won't go there. Because I don't know. Sometimes I don't know what to do in situations like that. Like, how can we help an organization? Or what can we do? Or where can we find an organization that is doing something proactive to help these children, to reunite these children with their homes, with their parents, 
with their fathers that have been abducted and kidnapped? How can we help with the recovery of them from the damage that they went through? What can we do? You leave that movie wondering, what can I do? Because you want to do something. The first thing we should always do is pray and seek God. Very first thing. And all things that we should do is pray and seek God for direction. Because you know what? He'll be there. He'll be there. Just like he was there for Shama. Jehovah Shama. I can't wait to ask him when I go to heaven. When I see King David's mighty men, what was it like when you were face to face with an army greater than you and you stood your ground and you fended, you defended that field and you fought off the Philistines on your own where everybody else abandoned you and left you? Eleazar, the son of Dodi, another mighty man of King David, says that the Philistines came down to attack. The army fled. But he said he slew so many of the Philistines, he said the sword, his sword, his hand like molded to the sword. And when the armies came back, all they had to do was pick up the spoils because he killed them all. With his sword, he fought them all off. I can't wait to meet these mighty men. Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Shammah means God is there. God is there. Remember that wherever you go, that Jehovah Shammah is with you. God is there. God will always be there for you in your time of need. Always will be there for you in your time of need. Just like he was in Shammah. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God will be there for you always in your time of need. Just don't turn from him, don't run from him, but run toward him and cry out to him. He will hear your cries, he will hear your prayers, and he will be there. Proverbs 2.8 says, He protects the paths of the justice, and he guards the ways of those who who are loyal to him. He protects the path of the righteous and he guards the ways of those who are loyal to him. Amen? Yeah. Stay loyal to God and God will stay loyal to you. God has not failed me yet and he will never fail me. As long as I'm with him, as long as I cry out to him, he'll always be there. You know, I'm reminded of another scripture that my brother-in-law 
shared with me when I asked him for some advice. We were going to help someone. And it's in Proverbs 13. And he says, he told me, he goes, well, you know, the way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. And it's so true. I would recommend that you do not try it. <laughs> I tried it. And it was a very hard life to live. It was a very hard life to go anywhere, do anything, or to get ahead. Because I wasn't in the right standing with God. I was living in a life of sin. The way of the transgressor, the way of the sinful person, is hard. It actually will lead to only one solution, and that's destruction. If you do not turn to God. But the way of the Lord is hopeful, is peaceful, is promising, is everlasting. It's joy, it's peace, it's kindness, it's gentleness, it's self-control. It's prosperous. It's good health. So, why fight that, right? Why fight the way of the Lord? Why go after the way of the transgressor? I look at that, I, I wrote down, why? What's the purpose? What's the purpose of it? So why fight what is good and everlasting? Why? Think on these things. God is our strength, our strong tower. Our refuge, our hope. He is omnipresent, which meaning he is everywhere. He is omnipotent, able to know or able to do anything. He has unlimited power, and he is omnipotent, which means he knows everything. God knows everything, able to do anything with unlimited power, and he's able to be everywhere all at once. There is no other God like our God. There is no other God like our God who can do all three things at the same time. Think about that. That is the God you serve. He can be everywhere all the time, know everything, and, be, and have all the power. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His name is Yahweh, Jehovah, Elohim, El Shaddai, Emmanuel, and the great I am, I, that I am. That is the God we serve. Amen? He is the great I am that I am. El Shaddai, Elohim, Yahweh, Jehovah, Emmanuel. Amen? So, Father, I thank you and I praise you, Lord. Lord, I pray over today's sermon that, Lord God, that you would let it stick to our hearts. 
I pray that anything that I've said that's not of you, Lord God, that you would dismiss it. That, Lord God, I pray that, Lord, that your will would be done. I pray for your anointing on your people. I thank you for, Lord God, godly, godly, godly family. I thank you that you've placed me in a godly family, that you've put me on a godly hill. What greater place to live than on Lord Hill, Lord Jesus? You know, Lord, and it's just as amazing of what you've done. And I look forward to what you're going to do. I look forward to what our grandchildren are going to do for the kingdom of God. And, and Lord, and the calling that you have on their life as they walk into their destiny, as they start to live their lives. Lord God, I look forward to the great things that they'll do for you and your kingdom. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless us today, that you would anoint the works of our hands, that you would keep us and protect us, that this whole hill is covered by your angels, your ministering spirits, that this whole hill is under the blood of Jesus and is protected by your hands, that your eyes are upon us and upon this place, and that you would prosper us and bless us, Lord God, as we follow you and run after you. And I pray this, Sometimes Lord I God, in Jesus' name, bless your people. Amen. Amen.